0: Hi, and welcome to the Handbag Designer 101 podcast with your host, Emily Blumenthal, handbag designer expert and handbag fairy godmother, where we cover everything about handbags from making, marketing, designing, and talking to handbag designers and industry experts about what it takes to make a successful handbag. Antoine, welcome. Welcome to the Handbag Designer 101 podcast. I am so excited to have you on. This is truly exciting because we have been following your journey for quite some time. I have so much to talk to you about, especially the evolution, how you got started, the dates that are on your Instagram, what that means. I know everything has meaning where you are and where it's all going. So why don't you introduce yourself and let's get this party started. Okay.
1: Well, first, thank you for having me. I've been also following and watching and seeing what you've been doing. and I really appreciate it. Actually, I've been taking the time to talk to me and talk to us. My name is Antoine Manning. I'm the creative director of Gear. We started at our idealized since 2014. We actually started making products in 2015. And throughout the years, at least the recent years, we've started transitioning into accessories because we realized like, that's, the, I guess, the best way for us to express our ideas in a more digestible way for communities in terms of it's, it's easier to get that across versus t-shirts and whatnot, at least in my opinion. And yeah, so now we're just continuously just finding our voice and our strength and our storytelling through our accessories.
0: So, where are you from originally?
1: I'm from the Bronx, from the Bronx, New York, and I moved to Covington, Georgia, in 2007. Why? My father—I don't know. Like, I just know that one day my dad was like, "Well, we're moving to Georgia," and I was excited because I was a kid, and the idea of being somewhere new was really exciting to me. So, so
0: how old were you when you moved?
1: I think. I was eight years old because it was in the summer of 2007 and I'm born in 99. So I was eight.
0: So by this point, did your whole family move or just you, you and your dad?
1: It was me, my dad, my uncle, and my older brother. So it was just us four in the beginning and then my sister came along shortly thereafter and then my aunt came along shortly thereafter as well. My mom, she stayed in New York.
0: So it was all the boys made this pilgrimage. Pretty
1: much, pretty much.
0: wow. Wow, wow, wow. Do you remember the journey? Like going there, moving, starting over? Do you remember all that?
1: Yeah, we drove in a U-Haul in a car. So my other uncle, my aunt's husband, he helped us drive the U-Haul truck from New York to Georgia. And me and my other uncle, my older brother, we drove in a separate car behind them. And when we first moved here, we didn't have the house yet. So we were actually staying in a hotel for like four days as like the house was being closed on. So and we have human like to drive it to houses and like fueling houses and stuff like that. It was a really interesting experience. It was really surreal, but I don't know. As a kid, especially going through that, I had fun. Like, it was really cool. It was really enjoyable. It was exciting. I guess that kind of fueled an adventurous spirit within me to a certain degree. But it was really filled with good energy. Just it was really fun. Like, I had no bad memory with that.
0: New beginning.
1: Yeah, new beginning.
0: So you were eight and then you're in Georgia, yeah. And then you had to start all over. You were the new kid. You had a new house, all boys which I can't even imagine. (laughs) That's, I mean, it seems like it's a pervading theme. And it's really great to hear this strong, positive male role models who are able Mm -hmm. to have such an impact on you so young, because, you know, there is a deficit of handbag designers who are male, right? Mm -hmm. Designing for women. And what does that mean? And how do you really understand her needs and those customers? So, I think this is dialing into some really cool stuff. So, at this point, you're eight. Were you one of those kids that sketched and dreamed and, like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that? Like, how did all this, like, then what?
1: So, the funny thing is, as a kid, are you like familiar really with like manga and like Japanese comic books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, Dragon Ball Z, right?
0: No, but okay.
1: Okay. Well, uh- uh- As a kid, me and my older brother, we were always into like wrestling into like Japanese comics, like Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, like stuff like that. It's like Japanese cartoons, pretty much. And as a kid, I wanted to be, like we wanted to make our own Japanese comic, basically. And so I spent most of my time, like most of my days, just doodling, drawing characters and stuff like that. And me and my brother, we would like bounce it off each other, like pick our own stories and then we would share each other's story at the end of the week. And we'd like read the story, almost like a weekly chapter of our comic. And then as I got older... Like, my palette for what I would be willing to do to start to expand. So whether it be, like, being a YouTuber or a gamer or a comic book, like, my... I always wanted to create something and just create a space of and for something. So as a kid, it definitely bloomed. And as I got older, like, towards, like, the high school ages and whatnot, my goals became more, I guess, realistic in a sense. But after, like, around 2014, that's when everything shifted back into the artistic creative side.
0: Did you go to a art, art-based art high school, or you just went to a
1: regular high school? Regular high school, high school, middle school, elementary school, all the schools I went to are regular. When I was in New York, all the schools I went out there were private Catholic schools. But when right. I came out here, it was all public schools.
0: So you were wearing a uniform as a little kid.
1: Yeah, New York I was wearing the button-up, the yeah, burgundy. With the
0: tie. Yep. 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 With the vest.
1: Yes, exactly. I had the vest. Yep. yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, we see the kids on the street and you want to make them into little dolls because they all look so, you know. little. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that child who's wearing said uniform has a shelf life because, you know, there's a beginning and an ending of someone wearing a vest <laughs> you yeah. know, and a bow tie and still yeah. buttoned up. And some of those kids are going to break out and others are just going to follow through. I'm like, nope, this is who I am. This is how I've been raised and bred. But... Were you doing anything artistic before Bags? And, you know, because I have so many questions about your silhouette and the colors and the palette and all of that. So how and the what and how did you get started? Like, you're not that old. I mean, you look good. So you must have been staying out of the fun, so.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Nah, no, So my artistic journey was pretty much, it was pretty much always there. I always had like that, like an adventurous, dreamy mind and I could like, great kind of worlds and with prompts at least it makes it even easier for me to do stuff like that but around 2014 my father passed away so after he passed away for me I was just like because in my mind I was 15 oh so in my mind everything was
0: it was turned upside down.
1: Yeah, upside down. Like, that's exactly like, how I describe it. Like, I expected it to be on forever. Like, that's my dad. So, never expected anything to happen to him a day in my life. So, after he passed away, it basically made me look at the at life in a way where it's like nothing's really promised. Everything's very temporary to the same extent. I don't want to live a life basically where I'm chasing anyone else's dreams except mine. So, from that point and that I started to paint. Painting was my first medium of choice. Had you started so, like, painting before? I never painted before.
0: After this tragedy, you're like, I need to do something. I need to do something, and mm-hmm. you just started. To worry was there. that's proper trauma, right? Especially for a kid, it's fifteen. It's still a tender age. You're still valuable as a kid. My daughter's still fifteen, and you're like a hormone crazy soup to begin with. So something like that happens. You know, your family is are your roots. You take away those roots, that you know. This is okay. So. Cool. The fact that you moved to painting as opposed to anything else, like who got you the paint? How'd that happen?
1: And that's what I was about to say, because I would definitely give a lot of credit to my older brother, because during that time period, he was in college, he's four years older than me. So that was my transitional years from my freshman year of high school into my sophomore year. So that was his traditional time from from freshman year to sophomore year in college. So he was taking like... Was he he went to Georgia State University.
0: So he was close.
1: Yeah. So he went to school like about forty minutes away from home. I'll see like every other weekend. Like when during the school semester started, but he was taking art history class basically. And in art history class, they were talking about different artists like abstract and whatnot. Right. So he learned that to learn about like just different artists like Jackson Pollock and Basquiat and, and
0: Yeah, you uh, had a collaboration with Basquiat, didn't you? Yeah. I saw. So, it. It's like wow. It's, uh, all coming. Yeah,
1: together. that's it. Haven't even exactly. gotten yet. Exactly. the all full circle really is. Yeah. So basically through that, like him going to class and like, I'm telling him like, I think I want to try painting and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, well, like we decided to start having a conversation about it. And I started like seeing how like artists would channel their expression and specifically into abstract painting. So oh. as the school year started and I transitioned back to the school I started at, it was called Algoly. I went to Alcole. I had a teacher. Her name was Caitlin Market, Miss Market. I call her my art mom. Because during that time, like you said, like it's a very susceptible time period. Your your world is upside down, whatnot. She was the person that really like grounded me in terms of art to actually wow. see this as something that I can do. Because uh-huh. I wasn't really good in the beginning. But she like kept like, encouraging me to keep on going in that yeah, it's a good job, it's really good, it's really deep, it's really profound and whatnot. And
0: she would just continue to nurture me. People don't realize that. Yeah takes time, right? It's funny. Someone was talking to me about handbags and this and that and like being this expert. And I said, listen, I'm an overnight success for 20. And it, that was a 20-year sleep. So mm-hmm. it took a long time to go from here to there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like yeah. become good at anything in such a short period. It's not hard work. People don't realize that. They really don't. Like they see yeah. your back Nordstrom and they're like, hey, look at you. And you're like, no, 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 no. You don't know. Like we went through together. Let's go all the way, all the way, all the way back to your teacher who said, No, try this again or try this.
1: Exactly. And you live in Europe. So have you been to Walmart?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Okay. So Walmart, they had this, especially when I was younger, they had like this art and good section. So I would literally go to Walmart. I would get the little cheap paint, get the cheap brushes because at that time I had like like I would get like a two hundred dollar allowance a month from my mom because I still didn't live where was. She lived in New York, so I lived with my uncle, my aunt, who were out here Who moved out here with us. So I'll oh, use I her. Like, I saw like on like holiday and like, like 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 Christmas, summertime stuff like that. I'll go out and like Thanksgiving, all those those occasions, or she'd come out here. But I would use like portion of that money that she gave me buy canvases, like bulk canvases, buy bulk paints and whatnot, and then just paintings. Painting, I watch feelers, painting expressions. And then I transition into poetry, and then from poetry, I transition into designing, and then from design, I transition to photography, because all those different aspects of creativity, they give you room to, for for expression in a different way. So, what well, I can say with painting, and like the visual language I can create with painting, I can't really create that with the poetry aspect, because those are not my words.
0: Visual, it's go girl I said.
1: Exactly, so and, and I'm often, co- like my it.
0: That all of that is so up to to interpretation yeah so you create something that's the interpretation so it sounds like you were looking for something to make your mark
1: yep and that's exactly what it was my biggest thing for stuff like that even now if i ever paint again is like everything is up to interpretation like i create things for my own meaning with my own issues and things in mind but i don't know what someone else is going to get from that painting and that's going to touch or make them feel a certain way and you know actually fast forward into when i was around like 2017 2016 i was at this thing called dhp it's called governor's honors program and basically it's like a state sanctioned thing where pretty much high schools from all over high schools from all over the state would be in like a competition for different majors so yeah, so mine was art. The first year I did it, it was my sophomore year. I didn't make it through. I made it through the semifinals, but I didn't get it all the way. But then the next year, I made it through the side of those. And we went to like this like reverse course, like from a month or so and like just painting and practicing. And I made this really big painting, like one of my best abstract paintings to like today. And we had a show that we had at the end of the year. And I'm whatever forget this lady. So this lady, she found me like on the last day of the thing of JHP at a party, like we're having for everybody. And she was like, did you make that painting? And I was like, yeah she had cried. She like, it made me cry. It was really good painting, basically. And after that, I was like, like that's what I really realized, like the power in making art or, or in art. And that's what you hear about like the greats, like on um, Mark Bosco. People look at Mark, Mark Ruff goes all day and just cry or like, right. feel different emotions. So like, once you right. told me that, I was just like, maybe this is something that I can actually do at a high level. But yeah, that's where my artistic, creative, like desire really started. But in terms of bags, to get to the bags, we have to fast forward a little bit. It's like 2020. That's like pandemic year. So it's a pandemic year. So, the pandemic year, I would be in college.
0: Where did you go to college?
1: I went to Georgia State as well.
0: And you stayed. Got it. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I went to Georgia State, I stayed in Atlanta. And the funny thing is I want that too, is like my mindset was to be, I just, I didn't really care for school, but I did, I cared to be in the city because if you want to be an artist, you have to be in the city. That's just what it is. So I was like LA, New York or Atlanta. I didn't want to go to LA, New York. I think I was prepared and ready for New York at the moment. So I decided to stay in Atlanta.
0: That's interesting. It, this is speaking so much to who you are, that you were confident, but you weren't confident enough to really jump on out there. So I think this is interesting. So you were moving forward with art, looking at it from mm-hmm. a high level, like I'm going to be an artist. This is what I'm going to do. Did you get a scholarship for school?
1: I was going to go to SCAD at first. And if I got a good scholarship, but the scholarship oh, still yeah, wasn't enough. SCAD? Yeah. But you know, uh, Savannah yeah, College yeah. of Art yeah. Desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was going to go there, but last minute, I changed my mind, and I don't know why it is about certain last di- like last minute decisions, but I'll get like a feeling, and I got this experience just like let me just go to GSU, so I just decided to go to GSU. I'm grateful I did, and. I attended there for three years. I left in 2020 during, like, during the pandemic. But before the pandemic of that year, I started taking my brand even more serious. Because at that point, I was just really like focused on painting. Um, but in that year, I was like, okay, I can actually do something with design and actually be profound with it. so so prolific. So let me put some energy into doing that as well. So in the beginning of 2020, like I organized, like, I had my friend, like a few of my friends we just came together. I was like, oh, okay, like I really want to do a pop-up type thing. It's still like, the, this is like the concept of it. The concept of it was called uh, words it never said.
0: Is this all art though?
1: No, this was painting. You know, I paint. This was the collection, my first collection I was working on.
0: Collection uh, of bags?
1: No, it was just, I had, like regular like t-shirts and like right. accessories. This right. was right before right. the bag. Right. So, so what,
0: were they? T-shirts, what else? T shirts and what?
1: It was T shirts. It was keychains. It was plush pillows. It was.
0: Were you getting the materials from?
1: Some of them I got made through May Fighters. Other ones I had made in Atlanta. We did hoodies or so we did schemas.
0: So, were you just buying the plates and you were doing the art straight on them?
1: This is for the pieces, so like for the hoodies, you know, type like printing on them. We did DTG, like direct to garment printing for the t-shirts, we did screen printing. But a lot of the pieces that I made, the funniest part about it is that a lot of the pieces were like photographically like inspired. So like I would take photos and then I'll get the photos half-tone and then the screen printed on the shirt and then I'll write on top of them. So right. it was like almost like a mixed media type of the shirts. But all how, the much, pieces basically, how
0: much were you charging for the shirts?
1: The shirts were like, like 25 $30. Were you making the,
0: money off of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I made, that was the most money I made at the time. And yeah, I was really happy about it but the collection was called Words i I Never Said and they all were basically like different sayings and all the sayings were like very introspective and prolific and whatnot to a certain degree and towards the fall I had the pop-up for it and during the pop-up basically I right before the pop-up I had a job at Amazon I quit that job to make the pop-up happen doing that pop-up did, did, it was a, a week-long pop-up oh, my, on the fourth or fifth day I got burglarized so I had to, to close down the sixth day get restuff remade and then on the seventh day we came back and finished it out it was yeah, after it was done yeah someone like broke in it stole the paintings stole the rest of the like the shirts we had in there it was crazy but
0: how did you handle that were you traumatized or you're like okay move on next figure it out
1: yeah at first i was angry like i was angry but then the funny thing is like my uncle the day before that happened like he was or the day of that happened he was like when you're there like after everyone's done after it's done like are you still there are you there by yourself i was like yeah like i would do like the rest of the, the inventory the, the inventory is there and Picks everything up and I'm like yeah I would And he's like If you're gonna be them and just someone with you Or just don't stay Like after by yourself So I'm like okay And then the next day That happened And I left So had to it So I'm like You know I'm glad I listened Because I don't know What could have happened. But I was just more so Like angry at first And then I was like oh, okay not like, well, what can we do? So I basically told like
0: you lose a lot of money off of that.
1: The good thing about that at that time, the stuff that we're taking were stuff that I could replace. So it's like except the painting, but the ski masks were pretty much sold out, the hoodies were sold out, all the special stuff that we were and like the plushes and the pillows, those, those were sold out. So thankfully, no one can take it. From those. But they took the t-shirts and whatnot. But I shut down the sixth day or the fifth day and the sixth day, and then on the seventh day, we came back and we finished it out. It was right. good. It was really good. People came through, really showed love, support, really had a, a, a great tour. And then after that pop-up happened, I basically got internship at Yeezy through my friend. Yeah, and like, yeah, in Fayetteville, which is crazy. because right, right. we right. would be here Atlanta. Like, right <laughs> and from there, I was doing like dialing samples. My friend, she was actually making you know, like, and sewing like different like samples for them. We had two different roles. And during this part in time, like when she was like making different samples and stuff like that, I was just drawing stuff I like, hey, maybe you could try this and do that and that da yeah. And the internship had ended. She had basically said like, you should make a bag, basically. And she gave me like a design, like a little sketch. It's like the homage logo, but it's like a handle on it. But I didn't get, to, I didn't use that design. But then I went home and I was like, I should make a bag, I should make a bag. Huh? And I have a sketch somewhere around here, but I just drew the, the shape of it. I just drew the middle with like the two-tone aspect of it, drew the little pocket. I was like, okay, I think that's it. And then I talked to the manufacturer and made it happen.
0: So which ma- how'd you find your manufacturer?
1: Ironically, I helped my friend find a bag manufacturer like two months before that. So I already had the manufacturer there. When she told me to do it, I was like,
0: Manufacture you know. domestically in Atlanta?
1: Oh, or yeah, is overseas?
0: Uh huh. Like China?
1: Mm-mm.
0: Okay. So your friend was a designer or aspiring designer?
1: He is. He made a bag, almost like a work bag, It's is like a compartment of rectangular shape, has two compartments on it two handles, but it was really nice to that. So I just found a manufacturer for them because he made the setup himself. So I found a manufacturer to actually get it made. So he bulk made so that he could sell it.
0: Right. So this is interesting. So you are an accidental handbag designer, technically.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. It,
0: I don't know if you know the story of Rebecca Minkoff, but that's pretty similar where she was in accessories and so forth and happened to throw a bag together for celebrity friend of hers who was in a movie. And therefore, the bag got a lot of attention and traction, which was the aha moment. Like, why am I doing T-shirts? The T-shirts were the gateway to get me to where I am bags are yeah, able, yeah. you know people are going to seem to be responding more with the bags but now we can get into the nitty-gritty about the bags so first of all how did your friend react when you were like by the way i'm doing this too because <laughs> it's
1: right it's, when i show him the bag
0: well he was doing bags and you're like hey by the way i'm gonna do this too i have an idea was he supportive or was he like hey i'm doing this or was he like oh that's cool like what was his thought
1: no he was supportive and I actually was very apprehensive about it at first. I'm like, dang, I don't want him to feel way. Like that oh, might yeah. be something I don't want him to do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, oh, that's his thing. And I became yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm now doing hoodies. Like I can't get into bags. So no, I exactly.
1: didn't. And I mean when I talked to him about it, I showed him he was very supportive. He was like, Dang, that's really cool. Like, that's cool in XYZ. And I appreciated that because I don't know. You get diffraction from different people. But he was very supportive about it, thankfully. And when I showed yeah. him really like the design, he's like, it's really cool.
0: Is he still doing bags?
1: He does a lot of different things. So he does like vests. He like does a lot of different things. He did vests. He did bags. He did pants. He did shirts. He does a lot of different like console words.
0: He he is not a bag person.
1: Not specifically. Yeah. He's not specifically in night bags.
0: So you did this first sample. How'd you get it? How much did you spend on your first sample? You only had one at that go.
1: I had three made.
0: What'd they look like?
1: I have the first one. It was a two-tone orange one, though. So that two-tone orange one that we sold on a platform, that was the first one. But the shade was a little less saturated, pretty much.
0: Was it leather or was it PU? It was leather. It, it was-, was
1: Yeah, it was vegan leather. It was vegan leather. But that time was the first one, so it was really soft. It was really soft, but I didn't realize it was really soft until later on. It didn't have
0: any structure and couldn't stand on its own.
1: Yeah, like it could stand and stuff, but it just was really soft. Now the ones that we have are like just sturdy, like it has good structure support. It didn't really have all that support beforehand. So I got that one. And that one was the way that we have it now. Like the 2 tone, the two cuts, the pocket, da-da-da. Second one I got was an all-white one with the red interior. But the straps don't come off and there's no like two cuts. So it was like as if this bag was just completely together, like no cuts there. And the straps are just stuck on it. Like you can't take them off. And then the last one I made was pretty much the tool cut one but so it looked exactly like this but with mm-hmm. no side like no straps at all right. so one came with the detachable ones. the weapon came with no detachable strap it's just stuck there. and then that one, the last one came with just like a clutch holder. hold it and when I got the samples I was like yeah this is the orange one is the one and I, I feel like I have something really good so I got the sample in November I didn't release it or show anybody until like March of the following year. Why? Because I knew it was something special. I thought it was something special. I, I didn't want to either diminish it and or I don't know. I just didn't want to see like if someone to have to the chance that someone else could make possibly or like just recreate it or do it before me right. and do it better than me. So I was like, I'm gonna hold it and wait until everything's right and drop it, it when the appointed time is there.
0: So you made this bag. You recognize the bag has some sort of DNA to it you know, being somebody who is so immersed in bags and independent designers and understanding your customer and designing into a price point and recognizing the four P is the price product promotion placement, but right smack in the center is the customer. So it's so interesting because you're coming straight from the product angle. So you had this made, it was not leather. How did you know price points? Did you get a minimum? Like, were you like, okay, is that the factory? Give me the price points for 500 units. Like, did you know how you were going to sell? Like, what was your thought? Because I understand that feeling where you get this back and you're like, hmm, now what? And to that point, I work with a lot of designers who are terrified to show it to people. Like, oh, no, 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 they're going to copy. And I'm like, well, at some point you have to do that because Mm -hmm. it's not going to sell. And showing factories and buyers, NDAs and non-disclosure agreements, they will laugh in your face. They will be like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to work with you. That's not realistic. And if you do it to a factory, they'll do it, but they'll put you at the bottom of the to-do list and they'll charge you X10 because they know you don't know. You just don't know. So here you are with these three samples in bright colors. And typically bright colors, you know, aren't the first ones to sell. The bright colored bags are always like the supplementary. By the way, here's our showpiece, like the cover of the magazine. And when I'm looking to buy, I'm going to go look for that black. I'm going to look for that Mm -hmm. neutral, for that ox blood. So you have this bag, then what happened?
1: So with that now, when I'm going through like that process, because I'm still trying to, you know, advocate money wisely and whatnot. But from the money I made from Yeezy and the money I had left from the pop-up, and even like the other goods I had from the, from the collection, that I like I still was doing stuff like that with the collection, too. So I would just use that money and fill it into buying the bag. I first did like MOQs of 50 for each color. So I got two colors and I got the two tone green and I got a two tone orange. That's how I started dropping them. So you, I got you, those
0: you, green and green or green and orange.
1: It was a two tone green version. So it was almost like literally how this looks, but just green. So it was like a really light green and then like a really deep, like really deep, but. Like, green it's right. really, i would have one of the green ones that's how people much people love it I would have a green one.
0: right
1: and the orange one and those two When i dropped them i dropped them with a new site uh, and with a through a shoot with my friend jaylen amir really 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 talented really talented and when i dropped them they sold out and like they sold out really fast i think like, like a day or two
0: where did you sell them and how much were you selling them for and were so, you making profit
1: I sold them on uh, my site. I had like a really bad site in the beginning, so I sold on my really bad site.
0: Everybody um, had a really bad site at the beginning. Yeah, that's great. Uh, That's a rite of passage.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I sold it through my site. The beginning price was $150, and I did make profit, but at the time, I was doing all my orders. I was doing literally everything, like I was-
0: As you should As be. be. As you should be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly, so I had like a hundred bags in my house I had to product quality check them all. I had to, you know, stuff them all in my hands. I had photos of me in my house with hundred yeah. boxes on the ground and they're all open, and I'm yeah. just there with bat bags, just like quality checking them all and putting yeah. them labeling.
0: I still have PTSD from the tape, the box tape. That
1: yeah, sh- I actually love that. That's actually my one of my favorite things. I love for that. Your That's your. My part. That's my favorite part. That's one of my favorite parts. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah. It's funny how people respond to packing their own stuff and what the box tape does because I'm like, oh oh God, here we are again and making sure. Now, let me ask you, were you putting thank you notes in your boxes?
1: So at first, I would, because I would handwrite them. I would handwrite the thank you notes and stuff, but then once I got to do 100, I got to probably check it all. Like, at that point, my thank you for me, like the thank you was like, making sure the bag back like what you got was this right. good and an ample time but i definitely would like emphasize like always like posting and saying like if hey, you want to to everybody who was like supporting me and supporting the brand because it was like that the love i found that moment specifically was just so profound and otherworldly that i don't really like there's very little that can happen that could surpass that in my opinion
0: oh you were boxing the bags how many followers did you have at the time to thank those people
1: i think on my personal i had maybe like 9,000 followers, 8,000, something like that. And then on the page, I think we were around the same, like the same amount of volume as my personal, like around 8,000 people following us. That's
0: a lot. That's like a micro-influencer because you already have, Long community so how did you come up with the name and how were you able to build the eight thousand by the time you got there was that all from the paintings and the hoodies and the work you've done
1: yeah i was like i'm the type of person i treasured and body all my relationships as like as time like life goes so i'm a lot of friends through high school middle school yeah. college just different aspects of my life that we're still linked in but even so after that and even more so than that, should i say yeah the little people that I've met along the way who always supported and just showed love and whatnot and the name of the brand, I realized like the brand and whatnot in 2014, but in 2015, a few people start passing away. And
0: is that, what I all just, those, I think, is that what all those dates are?
1: Yeah, most of the dates are like 6.30s 30s when my dad passed, 7 1 is when I found out, 8 2 is his funeral, 9 twenty fifteen. 2015, that's when we got our first t shirt in. 2 1 2016, that's one of my. Friends, classmates had passed away. Yeah, there's a few different dates. So it's like a lot of different passing and whatnot. But homage, basically, is just remember the year, homage, homage to the people who passed away. There's a few different, like, footnotes and principles that we stand on. So, yeah, it's just, like, creating a community through, like, design and through meaningful clothing. Create things you that are meaningful gonna,
0: clothing. Do you think you're going to keep those dates on your social? Yeah. You're going to always for have sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And even so, I mean, there's still, there's, it's gotten to the point where there's too many dates. I, can. I can't add any more dates. There's certain dates, like, if I could add on there, I would. But
0: Do you think, though, as a commercial brand, what those dates represent are not commercial? Do you see that you may evolve as a brand owner and then incorporate those dates into your brand and your design?
1: Yeah, like I still try to look for ways in which to incorporate them into the designs and into like pieces that we do create, but from a commercial aspect, I feel like this for us as a brand, whether it's commercial or not, that those are pivotal experiences that people that have allowed us to be where we are. You know, if you get what I mean. Like if that didn't happen or certain people didn't go away in XY and D, then I guess to a certain extent, Omajra oh wouldn't be here at all. It wouldn't be here at all. I had have no reason to be here and doing this. So I would say in terms of that, at the very least, their memory and paying respects to their memory is the least that I can do. And yeah, I guess that's just the way which I choose to acknowledge them whether it's known or not. So I don't think I would be coaxed into changing it, dude. So like, like.
0: Uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate just because. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, like yeah. you, I know you are.
1: I didn't think anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, as a marketer, And understanding the DNA of the brand, because I knew that those dates obviously had some sort of proper, deep, intrinsic meaning. But to grow the brand from here to there, like at some point, would you say, okay, perhaps, you know, it's interesting. So I work with a lot of people and I have a colleague who's in mergers and acquisitions. And what I work with a lot of designers and some of whom are making well into the millions. And this particular colleague of mine said, is how many people do they have working for them? And I said, oh, it's small. They're doing really well. And he's like, well, it's still a law firm. And I said, a law firm. And anybody who's been part of our incubator and so forth understands what all this means. But a law firm means in terms of what you're bringing in because you are unable to scale it because it's still just you, right? So it's basically... It's you doing everything and you're not growing the brand to scale. So yes, Mm -hmm. it's great to make all that, but what are you going to do to take it to the next level? And at some Mm -hmm. point you have to, and I'm not telling that you should do it, but that one needs to evolve and grow. And you have to recognize that this brand has to survive without you being at the core because the people Mm -hmm. who are bags at some point are not going to care or be vested. You, your story, what got you there. They want the bag and how the bag affects them, not how the brand affects you. So I'm just playing devil's advocate because Mm -hmm. I was looking at the dates and I'm like, it must be something monumental. It must be about something about people who've been close to him past. But what happens when you get to the point where you become commercial enough and do you want people to associate these heartfelt deep things, which are really hard to cope
1: Mm -hmm. to your
0: commercial brand? So- Yeah. Conversating with you, because obviously the growth of how I see everybody's brand is I want every designer to succeed. And obviously being a huge fan of yours, I was looking at those dates and I said, I wonder how he's going to evolve with that or if these are going to stay there forever, because everything on your social is real estate, right? It's an opportunity to help people. It's an opportunity to grow. And with using all that real estate up on those dates, Again, I'm not telling you that you should change mm-hmm. that, but you want everything to be an opportunity to sell. So even going to the FAQ on your site, which is something we talk about, I speak about that like every opportunity and every minute you have someone coming to you, you wanna sell them something in an authentic way. You wanna obviously yeah. choke it down their throats and you wanna look at it like, okay, I got someone to come to my social. What can I do to sell them a bag? Because you're not a Van Gogh. Nobody's a Van Gogh. You don't want someone to buy one piece and hang it down their wall. You want them to come back and buy more and buy more and buy their cousin and the iteration. And yeah. you know, Balenciaga motorcycle bag, which is my favorite case study of bag. The big one, the small one, the hardware, even with all that nonsense that went on with Balenciaga, people are still going to come back. Let's be honest. Yeah, they are. yeah. like, let's not play. Everyone's like, oh, I'm not going to Balenciaga. I'm like, sure you are. I'm going to see that neon green bag that you've been holding. It's going to be out in a month. So what you might wear it now? i like, move on. <laughs> oh, Yeah, no, I mean, these are just things for you to think about because I would never like a lawyer. I would never tell you what to do. I'm just saying like for thought because, you know, also with your silhouettes, your silhouettes are so special and so unique. And I love that you're doing the family, which I call it the family where you have the small, the big, the medium. Like you could tell they're all related and that's something yes. that many designers don't do. Like every bag they create, it's like they're not even cousins. It's like, mom, you know, like that parent definitely like had an affair with some. <laughs> At the other side of the world because the bags don't look related. So you want to make sure that whatever you create can sit together and your bags yeah. do you. And it's a very interesting silhouette with a cutout. So I love that you spoke about making sure that there was a crossbody strap because we all know bags need crossbody straps. Not everybody yeah, can do that. So, you know, you want to talk a little bit about the evolution of the bag and the colors and how you got into those great retailers and where you're going to go from here.
1: In terms of the bags, like, the colors, at least in the first collection and whatnot, I don't know, like, for me, my mind, that we're, like, leaving a so serious time. It's 2020, going 2021, COVID just happened, like, we're now just, like, trying to find, like, a balance against like, real life and realism. And, yeah, and like, the- yeah, so I just decided, like, I'm, like, we're going to create some really disparate color bags that really express that manifestation, bag like, that have certain, like, intentions that choose what intention you are to bring into the new world and, like, and to me, my pull so from there, we just started creating these really beautiful colors. But then as we started to increase the price as, you know, realizing certain things, like as we made the bag better, increase, increase the price to do that, I felt the need to introduce at the very least a cousin, you know, our family, you know, to at the previous price to alleviate the need for our customers who would be upset. So like if the, the big bag was now 150 or was 150 and now it's 275 and then everyone was like 275, it was just 150 and now we have the mini. And that's $150 now. So now at the least, you still have the opportunity to get this bag. It's a smaller size, much right. cuter, but it's still able to hold you to your utilities, which you need to hold in a bag. And as we did the same with the increasing the price and whatnot, once you got into the started talking to Nordstrom about...
0: Did they find you or you reached out to them?
1: They reached out. So I to reach out and Nordstrom reached out. <sighs> a guy.
0: Wow. Um, that is some grace. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because I have some designers that say, oh, I almost got into sex I'm like, listen, I almost got into sex and then I went for sushi. They either take you or they don't. It's There's mm-hmm. no right area. Like you're either being purchased as to add to their assortment or they're going to pass and say, keep in touch. Let me see what you're doing. So mm-hmm. really, really, and,
1: yeah, so with Nordstrom, that's when the Mini Mini came to fruition because we were talking to them about, you know, in person experience and whatnot. And I only wanted the Mini Mini to be in person, like, exclusive that was my enticement so that it would entice people to are you people to get their friends or not to that really like follow the brand to go to the store to purchase it and just ship it to them or something of the sort and we had a pop-up with them so we did like the first first mini mini was this fuchsia one like this so this was the first mini mini that's what funny with that so cute yeah so pretty and then after that, when we started dropping phase two of Passion Fruit, our last collection, that's where we got like the Mini Mini Banana and the, the Banana and the Peach. That was just history with that. People love the Banana one.
0: Then lo and behold, you're a handbag designer. It's like, oh yeah, oh damn, I guess I'm doing this, huh.
1: Yeah, that's what it grew into like, hey, I guess I am or huh? not. And yeah, that was just pretty much like the cuts of it with sad and getting to sex and word strokes. I said reached out via email around twenty twenty-one. It was like the uh, June twenty twenty one. We're talking through email whatnot, talking about different things and then we got on calls and through the calls we basically did like an exclusive collection through sex. We did two classic sides, which was a black one with yeah. silver. Hardware and had like the logo and metal, and so then we did a you white did an one.
0: Exclusive black one was stacked, mm-hmm. you couldn't sell that black one anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I specifically did it with them. How come they have it. an
0: exclusive? Because the black bag is like that's a hero.
1: Oh, yeah, that was just for the collection, so I could do it now anytime I want pretty much but yeah we did three classes so we did a classic neon green with, with with gold hardware we did a classic white with gold hardware but with the actual metal logo and the black one with the silver logo on it and then we did three because this is before the mini mini without i mean it's four mini we did like this one but not this color we did like in a gold and then a green right. we did a black vinyl and i think we did another vinyl though if so i'm not mistaken maybe i'm uh, mistaken and yeah, I was to be that had dropped a release in December, like around December 8th. I was then in Miami for Artbox, so and it dropped down so, so, so amped. I mean, like, that's, this is crazy. And then Nordstrom, that was the following year around March. We got into contact and then we had a pop up with them in store in Nordstrom Nike. It was Nordstrom Nike and we had a pop up in Nordstrom Nike in New York around, I think maybe June, right? If I'm mistaken, but those are definitely two, uh, moments. It's highlight very so, different yeah. moment.
0: Are you screen printing on the bags, the prints, the colors? Are they screen printed? So, really so because I know some of them are like prints of material. Like I know the collab you did. If you want to talk a little bit about that, like those colors, how are they done? Because it's like paint splatter, no?
1: Yeah. So the banana bag, and even like all of our bags that have like some type of print on it, they're actually they're printed onto the leather and then they're sewn in a way to put it together so like if you hold this bag it feels smooth it feels smooth to the touch it doesn't have any type of rough texture on it or anything at all because they it's printed. it's actually literally printed onto the material and then they cut it sew it and then do everything i can do with it and the same thing with the basket bag so the basket bag it's
0: yeah so are those bags do those bags like what do your customer gravitate towards The most.
1: In terms of like size or color or...
0: What are your best sellers? What are your Hero bags?
1: So Hero, for sure, the Banana. This is our best seller bag. They love the 2 tone bags a lot. And... Of the Basquiat bags, I would say the mini-mini is going the best. It's a red, because it's so pretty. It's red. Is this really, Did, really did nice.
0: they find you, or you found them?
1: Basquiat was done through Black Fashion Fair. So Black Fashion Fair is owned by Antoine Baby Gregory. And basically, the estate, they like talks and talks of communication. And I guess they asked him, like, hey, can you find designers and to collaborate, just to find, to collaborate with our estate. So he did. He found, he contacted me, contacted Advisory, contacted Brennan Blackwood. He contacted
0: Yeah, I saw Brandon did that too.
1: It's a few other designers. They're slipping me right now. But yeah, he's the one that put it all together. He pieced it all together, thankfully. And that also takes it full circle.
0: Did they buy the product outright, or you got the rights to do it and then resell it? right or did you get it oh no
1: it's so it's all through the estate and all through that and thankfully because you know that estate calls like collaborate with like the estate. that's a crazy like twitter $75,000 or something yeah. of the sort thankfully we didn't have to pay that and thankfully it's a collab so they get like their part we get our part from it and yeah like yeah we, we just sell it through their platforms just right. to yeah.
0: Are you allowed to sell the bags on your site, or they sell them exclusively?
1: To make things easier, they they they're selling it exclusively. Just to make things easier, they never sell it clear them, But in some of them, like the allocation of the resources and funds right, and whatever, right, right. it, it just makes more sense for it to go that way. So
0: right, okay, this is exciting stuff. So what's next for Antoine and Amajir?
1: So I am looking forward to getting back into like my individual art, like poetry and painting and just producing more work outside of just designing like of course you know it works for different things and they're in its own different ways while also working towards more design i want to transcend into different just different aspects of things on the accessory aspect of it but
0: you're gonna um, cheat Silhouette? Are you expanding your silhouettes?
1: Definitely expanding silhouette. Definitely playing and dabbling into other accessory lines. Definitely looking to capture also like the masculine customers that as well. So there's a lot of things that we're playing with and I'm really, really excited.
0: That's cool. Just be careful because you can't be everything to everyone. And that's when everybody expands. They're like, oh, I've got an idea for this customer, but like, are they really your customers? And What I always tell designers is to do a deep dive from where all their sales are coming and look at those cities. And then actually, if you have access to the data, look at the ages of the people who are actually buying your bags. And it's fascinating because I think a lot of people have these eye-opening experiences to realize that a lot of times your customer isn't this chic City metropolitan girl. It could be somebody who's living in a town that has a church, a stop sign, and a Walmart, and mm-hmm. you know is plus sized and might not be the chicest person from your perspective. And mm-hmm. you know their money's green, and everybody just wants to feel good and special. And yeah. if your bag can provide that, then you know what, those are loyal customers and that 20 that 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers before you expand, maybe make sure that they don't have more needs because that's a wide open space and that's your space to take. Like Great so Thank it's, you for that. Yeah. No. Hey, I mean, honestly, like, you know, I do a lot, of, a lot of collaborations and partnerships and I always tried to amplify and elevate the independent designers with whom I work. And so when I see these opportunities, I don't like when people get in their own way because, you know, especially as an accidental designer, it's so easy to be like, I'm going to expand and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But it's like you have this core and you're good at it. so. I'm assuming you have strong sales on your site. Yeah. So are you getting more from your site or from the retailers right now? More from internal. So then you have an opportunity to actually do short tests instead of having to go all out. Because that's the best thing to do to, you know, grab, discuss, talk with your customer and say, what do he, she, they want? And can I deliver? in a way that because sometimes people are crazy, you know, customers sometimes go a little cuckoo burns where they're like, I want this in purple and I want this. And it's like, okay, we all know purple doesn't sell. So you might, but nobody else does. So that cost benefit analysis, that's cute. It's not happening. So Antoine, thank you so very much. This has been exciting and wonderful. Why don't you tell everybody your name, where they can find you, how they can follow you? Because I think everybody needs a little piece of homage here. Yes,
1: ma'am. Thank you. My name's Antoine Manning. I can be found on Instagram at Manning Antoine M A N N I N G A N T O I N E. You can follow Brad on all platforms, whether it be Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at Homageeer H O M A G E Y E A R. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Of course. Now this is exciting. We've got more great things to come. So thank you so much, and we will be seeing more of you. I'm sure. Have a great day. Thanks, Antoine. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review and follow us on every single platform at Handbag Designer. Thanks so much. See you next time.